Hey there, welcome to the Lurk Lounge, the pod where we discuss the real on all things business and entrepreneur related. I'm Summer Burnley, attorney, business strategist, entrepreneur, lover of Grey's Anatomy, sipper of matcha tea, believer in Christ, and ethnic food enthusiast. I invite you to eavesdrop on the lessons and conversations inside the Lurk Lounge. Welcome back to the Lurk Lounge. And if this is your first time joining us, you're in for a treat. And if you're an avid listener, you know I must do two things before I introduce today's guest, give you the disclaimer and the biz tea of the day. So this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing should be taken as legal advice. You listening does not create an attorney-client relationship between us. Your situation is going to vary, and so will the law. So please seek legal advice and an attorney in your area to help with your specific legal situation. Now, today's biz tea, business tip of the day, I always get this question. What's the difference between a trademark versus a copyright versus a patent, right? So let me give you a quick snippet into the difference between the three. Your trademark, generally speaking, is going to protect symbols or words that showcase you as the source of goods and services for your product. Your copyright is going to protect artistic works such as books and songs and lyrics. And well, a patent protects inventions and alliterations to inventions. So there you have it, guys. A quick little snippet into the difference between trademarks, copyrights, and patents. Now, I want to jump right in with today's guest because if you are new to the Lurk Lounge, when I say you're in for a treat, Kate has a wonderful, a beautiful, and amazing story. Kate, welcome to the Lurk Lounge. I want you to jump in and give us the real on who you are, who you serve, and why. Thanks, Summer. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate you. Um, hi, everybody. I am Kate Begoy, and I am a business coach who specializes in helping creative corporate burnouts build businesses they can run from the beach. Um, in particular, I help people like myself who are like mid-level career, stuck in a corporate or a tech job, dreading every moment and dying to rage quit, um, but really attached to their paycheck and their salary and need to have kind of the, the fast track to cash um, in order to get out of that job that's just slowly crushing their spirit. Oh my goodness. Okay. Now, Kate, you yourself have been in corporate and in tech and have your own story of dream job turned burnout turned like nomadic, the bomb lifestyle, right? So give us a <laughs> snippet into like this journey and like, tell us how you really got started. Oh my gosh. It's been such a ride summer. I can't even, I, I mean, it's like, I, I try to condense this down into a couple of minutes, but it's, <laughs> it's hard to do. I, high level, I started my career as a designer. Um, I went to work for a fortune 500 company and, you know, on paper, it was absolutely a dream job. And in fact, for the first few years that I worked there, it was, it was everything that I ever wanted. And then slowly it became my personal nightmare. The company was reorging, my workload doubled, tripled, quadrupled over the five years that I was there. And because I didn't have good personal boundaries because I'm a recovered codependent and now a recovered alcoholic, um, I had no, no boundaries. And so I just worked yeah. all the time, 60, 80 hours a week. Um, I was miserable and, and just really hating my life. And so I got to the point where I did more or less rage quit. Um, and my thought was, well, do some freelance design. But of course, I had no idea how to build a business. And so at that okay. time, I relied on what was available, which was like Craigslist postings for make me a logo. And then I wondered why I was broke all the time, right? I had no specialty. I had no idea what I was doing. I got some piecemeal projects and like, but I had just left a $60,000 job and that was not going to cut it. So yeah. 
Um, me being the achiever that I am, I overcorrected. I went back and I got a master's degree in business and marketing. Um, and that led me to Silicon Valley where I started working with startups and entrepreneurs. And I, that's where kind of I ignited the passion of working with entrepreneurs. And because I worked in startups, I got to have my hands in just about everything you could imagine from marketing and design and product management and, and PR and just everything. Yeah. And so I kind of pivoted into user experience design. Um, and I have worked with startups and, and uh, entrepreneurs for over 10 years now exclusively. Um, started my own freelance business about five, six years ago. And this time I did it right because I took all of those things that I had learned. I took the, the pieces that I needed for my MBA and startup growth hacking and all of that and actually figured out how to grow a business. And then in 2017, I kind of stumbled on coaching and found my purpose. It, it like was I little, stumbled. <laughs> it was a total accident. And I'll tell you that story if you want to hear it. But um, yeah, I stumbled on that and, and kind of went all in on, on coaching. Um, at the same time, I left the U.S. to start traveling with Remote Year um, as a digital nomad. Um, and then I spent three and a half years abroad living in 25 different countries and growing my current business while basically working from the beach. And I teach other people how to do that same thing. Is it safe to say that this beach that you're referring to was probably in another country? It was not a U.S. beach? Generally <laughs> speaking, although I've done some nomadic travel within the U.S. I started actually small. Before I left for a remote year, um, I was living in Portland, Oregon initially, and, and that's where I started my design business. And then I started traveling part-time. I got permission from my boss to work remotely for a couple months out of the year because Portland, if you've not been, beautiful city in the summer. And in the winter, it's like just slit my wrist, gray, cloudy, and miserable. Oh and I don't do particularly well. So I got permission to leave for winter, basically. And I started Operation Sunbird is what I called it. And I went <laughs> and I spent um, three months living in the South. Um, and I was in, in your area down there in Jacksonville. Um, I was in Savannah and Charleston. Savannah. And, um, and I fell in love with the South. And that actually ended up prompting me to move from Portland to Savannah. I moved across country because of that. But yeah, since then, I worked at beaches all over the place and cafes and all of that and Airbnbs, um, 25 different countries. I started mostly in Asia, spent a little time in Australia and some time in Europe. And now I've been back in the States about a year um, with COVID and all of that, uh, you know, not, not super mobile at this point. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm curious to know is, was that that move from Portland, is that really what sparked or inspired this nomadic lifestyle? Or was there like something else that like happened in between or after that where you were like, oh, no, we're about to do this like all the time? <laughs> I think that was the seed. Okay, uh, so really what sparked in terms of the nomad lifestyle in, oh gosh, this is going to date me. I think it was around 2014 or so. Um, I had taken a job at a startup. And again, this was another great on paper job. And for me, it was it was the best job I've ever had. I loved this company. I'm still really passionate about what they do. But again, I don't do real well as an employee. I don't have the best boundaries. I will work myself to death. And I was becoming burnout again. And I saw that. And so I took um, my vac vacation I took a two week vacation and I went solo to Bali, Cambodia and Singapore. And it changed my life. This trip changed my life. I had um, I had a spiritual experience at Angkor Wat where I just felt more connected to the universe than I ever had in my life and burst into tears at the top of this temple. But while on that trip, particularly on that thousand hour plane ride, I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And it opened my eyes to this possibility of an alternate way of life. I've always been travel obsessed. Like when I was six, I, I used to steal my stepmother's National Geographic magazines and I would like hoard them and read them at night with a flashlight. Like I just, I'm obsessed with travel. And so that was the seed. And on that trip, I decided that that was a real priority for me was getting to travel more and experience more. And so this seed was planted. I never really saw myself living a digital nomad lifestyle at that point. It just yeah. grew from there. You know, I started following some people on Instagram that were doing this. And then a few years later, you know, I'm working through startups. And so I'm really in that ecosystem when remote year launched. And I thought, this is fascinating. This idea of spending a year traveling the world with people. At the time, it didn't make sense for me because I was head of design at this fast growing startup. But I was watching them. 
And so after I built my own business and I had this freelance freedom and I was just working from my pajamas every day anyway, I decided uh, someone, a good friend of mine, my friend Stedman actually sent me a message that was a remote year advertisement. This is your thing. Yeah. And I thought she has a, she has a point. And I, I, I had, why am I not? Why am I not doing it? And I, I debated on it for about a week because I knew that if I even filled out that application, I would get accepted. Yeah. I just knew it. And I knew that if I got accepted, I would have to go. Cause how do you turn that down? Right. How do you turn down this crazy life-changing thing? And so I hesitated to even apply, whereas most people wait to put their anxiety into after they get accepted. Yeah. Um, but I eventually did. I was like, yeah, you know, I did. This would be amazing. This I, I got to put my foot out there. And I, I did. And the rest is history. Now, you mentioned how you knew like you were just not a good employee. You didn't really have these good boundaries. Now, as an employer... Right. Mm -hmm. How have you managed these boundaries in your business? Like, how has that shifted for you? Well, to be honest, I'm still poorly. I do poorly still <laughs> at managing my time. But being an entrepreneur, it turns out, does not mean um, you're better at self-care. Um, but I do practice more at putting okay. in boundaries. And I, because I run my own business, I'm self-employed, I get to design it around the lifestyle that I desire. I don't have to be in an office from eight to five. In fact, most days I start work maybe around 11 or 12 um, because I like to leave my mornings free to read, to go walk, to sit and have my coffee and get into a good vibe before I do my work. I very rarely schedule calls or meetings on Mondays and Fridays. So all of my client stuff happens on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm able to work with my energy flow more. And because I'm highly introverted, that works really well for me as well. That was another thing that I've, I've since learned since leaving my last full-time job, that part of that energy thing is that I am an introvert. So when I'm in an office and every day I've got dozens of people stopping by my desk for those five minute hallway meetings, it's just zapping, zapping, zapping my energy yeah. and my focus. And I don't have to deal with that anymore. And I have specifically created my business as a lifestyle business. I fully intend to have, be running a million dollar business at some point, but I'm doing it in a manner that allows me the freedom and the lifestyle that I want and not just doing things to grow. Yeah. Now I want to hear this story about how you stumbled upon coaching since you were, that's what you're now doing. So tell us how you stumbled from like design, like head of design for tech startups <laughs> to coaching. <laughs> it's it weird. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I've become really woo woo in the last few years, but I, I, okay. I'm still very much on the practical side of woo woo. Like, I, like, Oh, okay. You want me to manifest something? What are the action steps for that? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm more practical. And so I, I see it as kind of maybe, maybe a little bit of a guidance into where I needed to be to, to fulfilling my purpose. The, how it kind of happened is I had decided to sign up for remote year. I was running a freelance business and I really enjoyed that. But the type of user experience design I was doing was very intensive. Like if I was working on a project, I was going to be working on a project for a couple of weeks and probably not um, doing a lot else. And so I thought, well, in order to really experience remote year fully, I want to create some more freedom. And I thought, I, I'm a hobbyist photographer. I'm going to grow out my photography as a side hustle. I'm going to take landscape photos and sell them all of that. So I signed up for this business course um, that was around building a heart-based business. I signed up on a whim. Uh, it was a coach that I had been following for a while. I got into this program and it turns out the whole thing is about building a coaching practice. I just, I don't know if I misread the sales page. I wasn't paying attention. I don't know, but it was totally irrelevant to photography business, but it was actually exactly where I needed to be yeah. because I've been told my whole life, I'm a natural teacher. I have this really weird mix of experience in, in startups and business and marketing and design, but I'm also a creative person and I understand the challenges there. And I've, I've done a lot of mentoring in a professional capacity. I had just never thought of this as a business model. Yeah. 
So I think the universe just kind of guided me into a path where it was like, let's take all of your unique uh, abilities and package them up into a new way. And it also turns out that as I tried to sell my photography, it took the joy right out of it. And I don't want to build that business anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Like how life just kind of works that way. And I'll tell you, I, um, I was on... Oh, what's the name of her podcast? I think it's called Star uh, Sage Spirit. And she's, um, her practice is tarot and everything. And we were talking about like how you're led with intuition and these types of things, you know, like in business and in life. And it's funny because I had never considered myself a woo-woo person. Like for me, it's like nothing but the good Lord and all my Christian religious beliefs. Right. Yeah. But it's so funny because I was like, Oh, maybe I am a practical woo woo person after all. Right. <laughs> I have grown into a very still practical, but I am much more woo woo than I was. I mean, if, if the 2010 version of Kate Begoy met this 2021 version of Kate Begoy, she would be like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? You need to be in therapy or a mental institution. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Like, who are you? What have you done? (laughs) I was, I was so out of alignment back then. This was, this was when I was drinking. I got sober in 2012. And so I was, I was very reliant on, on alcohol to feel okay. And a lot of that is because I had childhood trauma that I had never dealt with. Um, and, and then I had these poor boundaries and coping mechanisms because of that same sort of dysfunction that I grew up with. And, And I was just, I didn't see life working out for me. I didn't see the positive in anything. I was just mad all the time and and busy playing a victim. And I think that spiritual awakening, the experience of getting sober and all of those things have really guided me into where I am now. It's, It's a much better way to live. Yeah. Now for those listeners out there who may be struggling with addiction or, you know, who may also be in recovery or recovers themselves, do you have any advice for them and how to stay on that straight and narrow in their business or how not to be pick up another codependency while running their business? It's definitely, it can be a challenge. You know, I, th- I think the first thing is anybody that's out there that's that's struggling with an active addiction, I just want you to know that you are okay, you are good enough, you are worthy, and you are deserving of the life that you desire. There's nothing wrong with you for having an addiction, but it is a choice to continue to stay in it. So I just want you to know that you are loved and you are capable of recovery if you choose to do so. I you to do so because I cannot tell you how much better my life is now. You know, when I got sober, I was terrified of getting sober. Um, I knew what to do because I had family members who had struggled with addiction. I knew where to go. But I was horrified at the thought of doing that. I was afraid of being seen outside of meetings and things of that nature. And I had so much shame. And now I don't. I, I don't have any shame around my past behavior and, or, or my past in general. It's very rare that I feel shame anymore. And that's because I learned that shame can't exist once you put it out in the world. So start by somewhat talking to someone you trust that maybe has some experiencing uh, in getting into recovery from something or another. If you have someone and if you don't find a neutral party that you can talk to about this and move forward and, and know that you're worthy of it. And really all you have to start with right now is just a decision that you want to change your life. You don't have to figure out the rest of your journey today. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I really hope that touches somebody out there, you know, because I think sometimes it's easy to forget how divisive the world can seem, especially, you know, mm-hmm. with what we've seen in, in, in 2020, that a lot of times we are more alike than we are, than we are different. And there are a lot of times, especially being women entrepreneurs, more of us who are going through the same things or have gone through the same things than we realize. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, Now, what I want to know is with this coaching program, Mm -hmm. you're teaching people how to live this awesome lifestyle and how to make this money and like make it fast. Right. So I am always, always, you know, one of the reasons I started the podcast, I was like, be weary of people who are like, look, you're going to make, you know, six figures in two months because I'm like, that shit ain't going to happen. 
<laughs> will you talk <laughs> right? Will you talk to them and tell them what you mean? And when like I'm gonna teach you how to do this fast and what that looks like. Yeah, sure. So my big thing is I teach my clients, particularly in six figure freelancers is the online program that I run and it's core, the foundation of all of my coaching programs, even my private coaching clients go through this program. And really the idea is we're going to fast track your brand and your business and get you focused on the things that actually generate revenue instead of those shiny, sparkly things that are distracting you. Mm -hmm. Right. So I get a lot of people that come to me that um, maybe they started the business two or three years ago and they're still making like $2,000, $3,000. And I can get them to the point where they're making five or $10,000 a month because I get them focused on the right things. When you're starting out your business, there are different options you want to take to get to your first 10K than you do to your first million, Yeah, right? Very different actions. And oftentimes what happens when we go into business without the right direction is we start focusing on what these big folks are doing. Like, and I'm a perfect example. I do this myself too, right? When I started my coaching business, what did I do? I looked at other coaches in the market that were doing things similar to what I might want to teach. And I found Marie Forleo. Marie Forleo is very well-known, um, the program called B-School. Well, the things that she does now to drive her business are very different things than you do when you're trying to get a one-on-one client. Yeah. Right. So by trying to follow the likes and grow my email list and create all these freebies and videos and all of that, really all I did was burn myself out and not bring in mm-hmm. any clients. What we can do at the beginning to fast track is we get really hyper clear on who is your target market, right? For your first year. Who is the one client, one offer, you know, core foundation of what you're selling? Where are they spending their time so that you can connect with them consistently? Even better, if you can borrow other people's audiences to develop your trust. Um, And then what is the value of what it is that you're selling to them, right? A lot of people, particularly in, in with my type of clients, they're more creative people. And so they go out and they say, oh, I'm selling design. Well, that's not what people buy. Mm-hmm. People are not buying design. People are not buying uh, legal services. Mm-hmm. They're buying the results of that, right? Mm-hmm. So if I can sell you, if, I, if somebody asks you what you do, you're a web designer, um, I can say, oh, well, I'll build you a website on Squarespace. Or I can say, well, I'm going to create a website that brings more clients into your business and gets you booked out. What's more compelling? I teach my clients how to talk about what they do in a way that actually gathers interest and how to focus their energy on the things that's going to get people on the phone with them so that they can have a conversation, make an offer, and sell a high-value service. Yeah. So it's about fast tracking your focus and really letting go of all of this distractible. I got to have a hundred thousand people following me on Instagram. I know people that have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram that are making zero dollars. And oh my goodness, that could be an entirely uh, different episode talking about that as well, because I'm like, you, if they're not buying from you, then what's the point? If you're not getting paid off an affiliate check, what's the point? If like, what's, you know, um, okay. Now within like your, your, your past, your background, everything you've been through, and even with this coaching, um, business, what people may not know is you do also speak a lot about like happiness and authenticity, right? So do you have any tips out there for the lurkers on how they go about increasing their happiness and being their authentic self? Yeah. So it's funny. I'm realizing more and more that a lot of what I do as a coach is really around helping people just become more true to themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's where the happiness comes from, right? I, the way that I, that I lead my clients is through developing your business to suit your lifestyle, as we talked about before. And that starts with knowing what you want. So the first step for anybody out there that is feeling out of alignment, whether that's in business or in your career or in your life is to just take Take a step back for a moment and give yourself the grace and the space to sit down and figure out what you want, right? I have an exercise I call the perfect day exercise, and it's it's very simple, but it's very powerful. And, you know, it guides people through kind of sitting down and going, okay, perfect world scenario, like blue sky scenario from this moment forward, I literally cannot make a mistake. And everything that I do is going to plant the seeds and bring the fruit that I want. What is it that I want? 
Yeah. What does the business look like in five years? What does my day look like inside my business in five years? And that creates this vision for a path forward. And that pulls you towards your goals instead of the other way around, which is kind of like, if you don't know where you're going, your GPS is not going to get you there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. So start by figuring out what you want and then honor that and start listening to yourself, to your body and letting go of the shoulds. I personally had an aha moment with the shoulds yesterday. I, I signed up for this great little freebie on um, money mindset from a manifestation coach who's studying quantum physics or something crazy like that. <laughs> very woo-woo. But I was listening to her podcast and she was talking about experience she had where she had invested a very large sum of money with a coach and within the second session knew that this was just a terrible mistake and yeah. could not move forward. And there was a no refund clause. So she lost like $20,000 on this investment. Yeah. She sat down and she wrote about her experience and realized that the experience in itself was worth $20 because what it brought to light was that she had invested in that program from a place of should. She should be part of this program. She should work with this coach. Not from a place of, I want to do this. This yeah. is what I want. And I've, I realized that I, I have done that myself often as well. You know, the first like time I, that I left a corporate job, you know, I should work 60 hours a week because I should get this done for my boss. The, all of yeah. these shoulds were the things that were destroying my life. And then from a personal standpoint, you know, I should be in a relationship. I should buy a home. I should do X, Y, and Z. And I did a lot of those things. And then I had this great on paper life that I was totally miserable in. Yeah. But let go of the shoulds. Yeah. I love that. I've, and that, it's funny because I'm sitting here trying to think, when's the last time I shitted myself? <laughs> Stop shitting all over yourself, Summer. Right. <laughs> when was the last time I shitted myself? I'm going to have to think about that. You know, I... Um, I often think about how, especially as women entrepreneurs and most of, I have some male clients, but most of my clients are female entrepreneurs in that, you know, zero to five year stage, you know, Mm -hmm. what I have found is kind of like how you mentioned earlier, right? They go in, they start their business, they're seeking people on Instagram and they see what other people are doing in their industry. So they feel like that's what they should be doing. Yeah. And I am a really big proponent of asking my clients every time they say like, oh, well, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. Well, what do you want to do? Yeah. Right. And it's interesting because it's like they hear what I say, but the response is still something like, but I, well, I should be doing, I'm like, okay, but what do you yeah. want to do? And it's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe what I should be doing is, and it's like, no, I'm not asking about should like, what is it that you want to do? Like, this is your business. You don't work for anybody else anymore. You get to decide. As long as it's legal, we're good. Like, what is it that you want to do? And wow. a lot of times they're stuck. They yeah. don't know, right? They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. And I have found that a lot of it comes from one, a lack of just business acumen in general. But the other part is, oh, I have this great idea and I'm good at what I do and I don't know how I should do it. So you focused so much on how somebody else is doing it. You don't know who your ideal client is. You don't know where they are. You don't know how to reach them, right? And you don't really know what it is that they want. (laughs) (laughs) Or you're listening to someone else who did something that worked for them and assuming that you have to do it the way they did. So for anybody that's out there that's in that boat, and we've all been, every single entrepreneur has been in this boat, no matter what business you're in, how big or how small. So don't, again, you are not alone here. But when you're in that boat, you know, and you find yourself saying like, oh, I should do this. Like I should go live on Instagram every day. And you find yourself really resistant to that. Ask yourself, well, do I want to go live on Instagram every day? Because I think... I would enjoy it and this would be good for business or do do I just want the results of that? 
right, why do you think you should? Well, I think I should go live on Instagram every day because it'll build trust and it'll get more leads into my business. But if I'm an Instagram camera, there might be other ways into my business. So stop yeah. shitting all over yourself and ask yourself, what is the most fun, exciting, and easy way for you, the most in alignment way for you to connect and get the result that you desire. I think yeah. it's Danielle Laporte that, that runs a program called Desire Map and she her whole philosophy is like, figure out what is the desired outcome and then feel your way into that. It's the same sort of thing except made practical. It's like, okay, well, somebody told me I should be doing Instagram live, but for whatever reason, I don't want to do it. It doesn't feel aligned to me and it's not just like a growth discomfort because there is a difference between like really out of alignment and just feeling uncomfortable because you've not done something but if it's really out of alignment for you ask yourself well what are some other ways that I might be able to get that same results and I've had to do that myself um as well because I I got onto this should path over the last year I should be doing x y and z and so I started doing all of these things and then I started burning out again and it was like oh wait a minute let's Let's rethink this. Yeah. Let's get into my client's head. Let's figure out where they're spending time and how I can connect with them in a more effective manner. Yeah. I know for me, I was in a coaching program um, last year and kind of like, you know, you're the person you mentioned. It was like, I knew it's it like two months in really that I was like, this ain't what they sold me. <laughs> I knew that. Right. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, it's non-refundable. I've signed up for 10 months, you know, and what, what am I going to do? So I'm going to make the best out of the situation. I remember it was like, okay, well, you know, create a Facebook group because Facebook groups are in and everybody is on yeah. Facebook, yada, yada, yada. And so I'm like, first of all, I didn't get a Facebook until that January because I had to start my business. I don't like Facebook. I'm not a huge fan of social media. And so, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a trooper since they say this is what I should do. And I'm going to stick it out. And I'm going to do, and it was like such a struggle, Kate, because it was like, what the heck am I going to talk to these people about? What, like, what am I going to say to them? What am I going to post? And it became daunting, like, like a job, you know, it was like, okay, so now I have to log into this Facebook group and I have to make this post. I have to show up here. And you know, after a while I was like, screw it. Like, I don't like this. (laughs) Like this may work for you, but this ain't working for me. (laughs) Absolutely. And I talk a lot about that in my program too. It's like when you're, when you're at the beginning and you're developing your marketing uh, techniques for your business, there's no shortage of people that are tell you, you know, go create a Facebook group and make a million dollars, go live on Instagram every day, whatever. But if you don't enjoy that platform and that form of marketing, it's not going to be effective for you. No. It's just not. And it's not only that, but you're going to be out so out of alignment that you're going to resent your business. And frankly, like, what is the point of starting your own business if you're just going to hate it in two years? Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people have come to me that have like started a business and they did all of the things they thought they should. And then they find themselves running a profitable business, but they hate their life. Yeah. Like you might as well have just stayed with the paycheck. It's a lot less work if you're going to have the same misery. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who have avid listeners, you'll hear me say this often, but I am a big proponent of only doing work and only working with clients who bring me joy. And I had to literally take a step back and I'm like, okay, if I require this of my clients or of the actual work that I'm doing, why would the marketing or the Facebook group be of any different? You know, so- I tell like, like my people all the time, like, look, this Instagram page, it's secondary. If I got stuff for my clients to do, you won't see homegirl for a couple of days. You're not going to see me on no reels. You're not going to see me on live a lot. Like, no, if you do, it's probably because I actually have something to say and you probably want to click that button and hear what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's, there are little millions of ways to grow your business and find oh, clients. Yeah. I, I know people like, I know a coach, um, that's in the Austin, Texas area, uh, that I met and I know she's making somewhere between 400 and 500 K a year. And she has like a janky website that was probably built 20 years ago. It's like a single page. I think there might be a GIF on it. I mean, it is terrible, yeah. terrible website. She has zero social media presence. She doesn't do anything. Yeah. She's really good at in-person networking. 
Yeah. And she shows up and she teaches years in that sort of that way. And now it has worked to have this crazy business that has zero online presence, zero social media involvement, and a lot of money and fulfillment. Yeah. And you can find the equivalent for you. Right. Whatever it is that is in your thing, you know, like I, I, we're in a coaching program together and this coach is always talking about hire, 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 hire out for the things that are not to your ability. And that's counterintuitive for me, because for me, part of the reason why I run this lifestyle business is to work lean. I do not want a big team. I do not want meetings. I don't want people to manage. And so I do hire out, but I hire out on a contract basis. And then I have an amazing assistant who is kind of like my right hand that can help me with a a lot of different things, but I don't want a big team. And there's a great book called company of one um, by Paul Jarvis. He's a web designer and he runs a a million dollar company, Um, but it's really mostly him and a couple of contractors, maybe a couple Mm -hmm. of employees. And he talks about scaling intentionally it used to be that you started a business and everything you did was designed to just grow the business as fast as possible. And that includes hiring more people, hire your sales team, marketing and all of that. But then oftentimes entrepreneurs end up in that boat where, oh, great. Now I got a team. I'm freaked out about how we're going to pay their paycheck every mm-hmm. month. If our sales slump, am I going to have to file corporate bankruptcy? Am I going to have to lay off 75 people? there's a lot of pressure. That's the pressure I want. Yeah, me either. So what do you want? It all comes back to that initial vision, right? What do you really want for your business? What do you really yeah. want for your company and your lifestyle? And how yeah. can you do it easily? And you know, one of the things that I, I harp on with my clients is when we're having that meeting and we're goal setting and we're talking about, okay, from a business and a legal standpoint, what do your goals need to be? What needs to be accomplished? I am like, my goal is to help you live a life of more freedom for whatever that looks like for you. And for some of my clients, they just want to replace the $40,000 paycheck that, you know, they were accumulating. And some of them want, you know, their, their dream is, you know, in five years to have a multi-million dollar business, you know? And I I recently had a conversation with my girlfriend about the whole hiring thing um, because she's like, well, you need help in your business. Why haven't you hired anybody? Because it was this whole thing about if as black women, we should be looking for investors, you know, like in our business. Right. And I was like, well, I don't have any employees, but I have two 1099 contractors for the things that I really just want to take off my plate. And one is admin and one is social media, everything else. Like I'm good with, and she could not understand why I didn't want to have a multi-million dollar law firm, you know? And it's like, well, I, and again, with, with me and my spirituality, I, I know that my law firm is a pit stop. It is not my, my end all be all. And so I know that there is something else after this that will, will lead me or branch me into something else. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how long that's going to be. I'm just here and following along for the journey, but I have an exact number that the Lord gave me. And I know when this number comes, I'm going to be like, okay, it's time to prepare for like, and that's not a million dollar business. There you go. And it's really important to know, right? If you don't spend the time to really think about what it is that you want, you're you're just going to scramble around. You'll eventually probably yeah. end up where you're going to go, but it might be a much rougher ride yeah. if you're unclear. And, you know, I think it's also the nice thing to remember is that you don't have to figure out everything today either. If you do have really big and lofty goals, you know, one of my, my newer favorite sayings, I, I can't remember where I heard this analogy, but it's just, it's brilliant, right? Is like, you can drive from Los Angeles Angeles to New York City at night, seeing only the next hundred feet in your headlights. You do not need to be able to see the entire journey from the place that you start. But what is the next hundred feet? And that's really kind of my job. And, and what I help my clients do is figure out, okay, first, where's the destination? I want to get to New York. That's yeah. my destination. Now, what's the next 10 feet? Where should I really be spending my time and where should my eyeline be right now in the next month? Um, because if you start, you know, dreaming about all the sites you're going to see in New York and Ohio, you're probably going to crash before you leave California. <laughs> probably. 
<laughs> Probably, you know. And, you know, I just want to make this point too, because as someone who has started from scratch for other entrepreneurs and managed and operated, you know, high-end six-figure and seven-figure businesses, I don't think people really understand what it takes to run those type of businesses. There are very few of those businesses that are lean. Very few. True. True. Very and few. Yet, you were talking about taking on funding. That's a whole other thing too. I hear a lot of people, oh, I should get a business partner. Are you sure that that's Correct. what you want? <laughs> right? Like, by all means, if that is 100% what you want, but let's, let's talk about that, right? Because there's a very big difference. Once you bring an investor into your business, whether they're as a partnership or a straight-up investor, that's a whole different business model. You've now it got is. a board to report to. You do. And it is so complicated. You know, when I started Six Figure Freelancers, I initially started and I thought, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to turn this into a startup. I'm going to be an ed tech startup. I'm going to go get Silicon Valley funding and all of this stuff. Yeah. And I thought about it and I went, wait a minute, no, 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 bad <laughs> idea. I don't want a board of directors. I don't want a team of investors with their nose in my business telling mm -hmm. me what I want, must do. I want to be able to serve my clients in the way that I want to serve my clients and have the focus be on them, not on making my investors and my business partner happy. Yeah. 100%. Okay. I could like go on with this conversation forever, but I'm like looking at the clock and I'm like, okay, Summer, it's time to pivot. Okay. So I am going to pivot to the quick fire segment. I'm going to ask you five questions. Um, some like they're completely random. Some may be personal, some may be business, but just tell us the first thing that pops into your head. All right. It's an open book. All righty. Um, question number one, what are you watching on TV? I am currently re-watching Dexter from the beginning. It's one of my favorite series and it's coming back this year. So I started oh, it from the beginning. Is it, is it like yeah. coming back like as a spinoff or? I think it's a, no, it's picking up where it left off, I think. I think they're coming back for just a limited series and I'm really hoping they, they fix the terrible ending um, of the original series and, and make it fun again. Okay, so I did not see the whole series. I remember I'm not going to give any spoilers. <laughs> no, no, no. So my husband is really big on movies, television. Like, he's a buff with both. And I don't really care for either. Like, you could ask me 15 movies. I probably haven't seen 12 of them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> now, guys, if this is a spoiler for you, I apologize. But Dexter's been out so long, shame on you. Okay, so if I remember correctly... In the season finale, wasn't he like on a boat sailing off into the water or something? I, 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 I'm glad giving the spoiler, but yes, that was part of it. Um, okay. okay, yes, it was a <laughs> crappy ending. I remember it was a thinking, crappy this ending. is how they're going to end this show. And I'm like, yes. yeah, no way I'm watching this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch this. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty poor ending. Um, <laughs> And it was unfortunate because it's such a good show. And it, it's funny, I, you know, I'm all love and light during the day, but I'm like very much law and order, murder and mayhem at night. Like that, oh, yeah. almost everything I watch has is, is got some sort of gore involved, like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead and Dexter. And Dexter's one of my favorites. I, I like kind of series where you get a little bit of closure at every episode. It's like more of a monster of the week sort of thing. Yeah. Um, one series verge into like conspiracy theories. I, I lose... I lose a lot of interest. Okay, so this is not the next question, but do you watch You on Netflix? No. Yeah. Have you seen that? Oh. I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, you should see You. I was surprised, and uh, what's the best way to explain it? Um, so... You just have to like look up the trailer. That's all I can say. Okay. I don't want to spill it. Like, I'm, since I'm not that much Taking of a notes. TV person, I can't say it without like giving it away. Um, gotcha. Okay. So, <laughs> second question What's yeah. the best investment you've made in your business? Ooh. That's, oh. So many options. I'm going to go in terms of recent investments. I think hiring my assistant is the best investment that I've made. It was scary. And, and she's not a full-time employee. She's a contractor. She runs her own business. Um, and that works for me because I don't have to worry about like, paychecks and all of that. Um, but I think having somebody that can support me in doing the things that are not my strengths um, and just take away little things that were slowly driving me insane in a way that I didn't realize. Like Ivory manages my inbox 
and it's the simplest thing ever. Like you would not think this is a big hassle, but I was just getting anxiety every time I did a gmail. And just having her go through that and like get rid of anything that I don't need to see and respond to anything that does not require me, it was like a light. Um, weight lifted off of my shoulder. So little things like that. And, and, um, and hiring a really high quality assistant who can, can really act as your voice in a lot of ways. Uh, I think she was my best assistant. Yeah. Uh, Ivory, if you listen to this, shout out to you, girl, you're amazing. Um, okay. <laughs> Number three, what's the hardest lesson you've had to learn on your journey? Mindset is everything. Yeah. No amount of strategy will do you any good if your mind is in the gutter. If your mind, if your brain is full of mind trash and you've got a limit on the amount of happiness, joy, or money you can earn, you will always reset to that. Uh, there's a great book called um, The Big Leap by Gay Hendrickson talks about upper limit problems. And the idea is we all have mentally this limit of like where our income can be, where our happiness can be, where our, our joy can be. And once we reach that point, we start waiting for the bottom to drop out. And if it doesn't automatically do it, we find ways to drop it out. And I personally, I've seen this in my businesses over and over again. I get to a certain point and things are going really well. I've figured out what is working. I'm making 10, 15, 20K months. And then I get bored bored and I self-sabotage and I destroy it. Mm. It's amazing the ways that we self-sabotage as entrepreneurs. So mindset is absolutely everything. And not only the ways we self-sabotage, but just being able to get up consistently and repeatedly and keep going when you do screw things up or things happen is that resilience piece. That's what dedicates success, not your strategy. Resilience. I love that. That is such, um, what's the right word that I want to say? Powerful word. It really is. It's really important for entrepreneurs, particularly in that, in those early years, I, in my personal opinion, it's just my opinion. I'm stuck with it. Nobody else says 90% of the reason that businesses go under is because the entrepreneur gives up in some manner. We always find ways to blame it. We blame it on the economy. We blame it on COVID. We blame it on lack of funding. We blame it on a business partner, but the entrepreneurs who make it find a way around it. They are resilient and they, they are able to adapt and adjust and keep going. And even when, you know, you have a crap day, take a day off, take a breath, breath, go as slow as you need to, but keep going. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because it made me think about a conversation you and I were having before we were on air. And, um, when I was sick, I remember one of my good girlfriends, she was like, I cannot believe like summer that you were working during COVID. And I'm like, stuff still has to get done. Like I have people depending on me. Like I have to keep going. Like this will not be the death of my business. You know what I mean? You know? Um, okay. So let me see. What question was that? Third, fourth. Okay. So you're in 25 countries. You've lived in 25 countries. What's been your favorite? Oh, I hate this question because it's so hard to answer. (laughs) Um, There are a lot of different ways that countries are my favorite. I would say in terms of like, if I were to move to another country, um, my favorite cities would be Melbourne, Australia, Bangkok, Thailand, and, or Barcelona, Spain. Those are like the three most livable spots for me. And, but then there's places that are like Dubrovnik, Croatia is a favorite from a natural beauty standpoint. It's one of the most stunningly beautiful cities I've ever seen. I wouldn't necessarily want to live there though. Okay. So it's a little hard to say, but those are, those are kind of the big ones. And then London, um, I think because I think London kind of became my home away from home when I was yeah. in, in Europe and on that side of the world, because it was close enough in culture to the U S to feel familiar when I needed yeah. a break from like, I can't speak the language. I can't order up a menu sort of deal. Um, but different enough to be exciting. You know, what's interesting is, so when did COVID have 2020? So 2019, my, um, my husband and I, and my mom took a a European trip. They had never been before. I was excited to take them. And I was like, okay, where's like someplace you guys want to go? Like, I'm going to plan the trip for us, but I want to make sure we go somewhere for sure. Like you want to go. 
and my mom chose London. And I was like, you want to go to London? Like, what's in London? Why do you want to go to London? Oh my gosh, I fell in love with it. Like, I wish I could just pick up and like, be like, hey, you want to go to London for the weekend? <laughs> I absolutely love London. London's like the gateway drug. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I think it's like, like the gateway drug for travelers. For Americans, at least, because, yeah. you know, a lot of Americans, a, a surprising number of Americans have never left America. Um, you know, a lot of Americans don't have passports. And it, we are so isolated as a country because we are so big and we have our own news ecosystems on all of this that a lot of the news we experience from around the world is really just the bad stuff. Yeah. And so I think in America, we really have this vision of the world as kind of a big and scary place. And we don't realize how amazing some of these places mm -hmm. really are. Um, and London feels safe because it's, you know, it's the homeland. They speak English there. I know that if nothing else, I'll most likely be able to understand people when they, when they talk to me. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little hard if they're from England, um, <laughs> but it makes it easy. And then you get there and it's a multicultural experience and yeah. there's so much history and it's just, uh, I love it. I love the UK and, and I have a lot of really good friends there and I, I miss it. Yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Okay, so for the next thing I'd like you to do, Kate, is tell us about this productivity kit and this video training that you have. Let us know where they can ha access the video kit and then let them know how they can get in contact with you. Sure thing. So yeah, we are actually in the middle of launching. And, and I think by the time this airs, we're going to have a brand new portal for everybody at sixfigurefreelancers.com. And we've put together a nice little freebie portal. It's going to have my productivity kit, which is your guide to write, like getting yourself focused when you're new to your business and figuring out where you should be spending your time if your goal is to get to six figures. And then we've got a jumpstart training in there that really is going to dive into a high level. How do you identify your ideal client? How do you position yourself as an expert that they want to hire? And uh, how do you brand yourself and your business instead of just selling your skills? So all of that is in our freebie portal at sixfigurefreelancers.com. Um, and if you're interested at all in working with me one-on-one -on -one as a coach, you can just reach out to me um, at katemagoy.com or visit me on social media. I'm katemagoy at... Uh, most platforms. Awesome. Kate, thank you so much for being here with us. This has been amazing. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour thank about you. any and everything. <laughs> Same. Thank like, you so you much for having about? me. <laughs> um, okay. Now I start us off with the, the biz tea of the day. If you had to leave us with one last gem, what would it be? One last gem. Trust yourself and get focused, right? Let go of all of those shoulds. And remember, like, there, there is no one way to do anything. Um, find what is in most alignment with you. Find what feels best for you. And make a decision to go after your goals and just do it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Kate. This was amazing. Thank you, Summer. All right, Lurkers, that's it for this episode of The Lurk Lounge. Gems were dropped and lessons were plenty. Shout out to our sponsor, Burnley Law PLLC. Burnley Law helps entrepreneurs nationwide secure their U.S. federal trademark registration. For legal and business tips on how to protect and own the boss brand you're building, join the email list at burnleylaw.com. Until next time. I'm Summer Burnley, and thank you for lurking.